You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. About 10 years ago, I was sitting in a church in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I remember they did this kind of foster care orphan Sunday. And I sat there, and my wife was crying the whole service, you know, and I was sitting there feeling like I I wasn't moved emotionally um, because I, I, I just knew that the timing wasn't right for my family to foster or adopt. See, we were preparing to move out to Phoenix, um, had some training to finish up, and seven years ago, we moved to the Phoenix Valley. But when we got here, I was sitting, and I was opening my Bible, and I was looking at the scriptures, and my wife had been secretly praying for me. You ever been there before where somebody's secretly praying for you? She was secretly praying for me that my eyes would be open to the incredible need to help love on the fatherless and the children that didn't have a home. And uh, I was actually wrestling with several key passages in Scripture that I'm going to share with you today. And it was through this process of the mind, not of the heart, for me, that unlocked this incredible journey of adopting a little girl named Maya. This morning, what I want to do is I want to take you through the Scriptures. I also want to share with you statistics in the state of Arizona when it comes to fostering and adoption issues. Uh, Arizona's been ranked as one of the uh, greatest cities of need when it comes to foster care crisis and children without a home. I think a large part of that is because a lot of people move into this valley, and when you don't have a strong family heritage and root system when trouble hits, these kids got nobody. And so um, this morning what I want to do is I kind of want to walk through some terms so you can understand that. I want to walk through um, some just kind of the help you understand the great need in Arizona and then look at what God's word has to say about it. So on your outline, as you walked in, uh, the idea of adoption is the process whereby a person assumes the, the parenting of another, usually a child uh, from the person's biological or legal parent or parents, and in doing so, permanently, listen to this, transfers all rights and responsibilities along with filiation from the biological parent or parents. Um, adoption's a pretty big deal. Even in the scriptures, we see a, a literal adoption process uh, from cover to cover. Um, in the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 1, verses 15 through 22, a Hebrew woman um, gives up her son when she finds out that uh, Pharaoh uh, had issued a decree that all young Hebrew babies should be put to death. She puts this little baby Moses into the river to be swept downstream and prays for a miracle that somebody will find her son. And incidentally enough, Pharaoh's daughter caught sight of this little baby and adopts this child into the royal family, and then Moses grows up to be an incredible, important leader, prophet, and faithful witness to the Lord. Um, In the book of Esther, we see that there's another adoption. Esther is a girl who uh, had her parents passed away, and fortunately, Esther was adopted by her cousin, and later even became a queen. And then you look at the New Testament with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ in the New Testament, according to Matthew 1.18, was conceived through the Holy Spirit and was adopted by his mother, Mary, and her husband, Joseph. 
Joseph took Jesus in as his own child along with Mary, and they raised their son, and he changed the course of human history. Adoption is a mega theme. When it comes to the spiritual understanding of our identity that you and I are brothers and sisters, that means that we have a heavenly father and that we're adopted into God's family. And so you and I, the very nature of our being, who we are as believers in Jesus Christ, you need to understand that you have been adopted in. You have a heavenly father who's sought to pursue you before the foundations of the world, his mind and heart was set on you and building this eternal family. And so what we're going to look at this morning, I want to just paint the picture so you can understand the need in the valley of what's going on. I want to clarify what an orphan is and what an orphan is not. An orphan is a child who lost one or both parents. Some orphans live in group homes. These are around the valley. Uh, These are... uh, kind of a replacement of the orphanage. When you think of orphanages around the world, in the Phoenix Valley, we have group homes. These are homes in Norterra, all throughout the North Valley, that are homes where five to ten kids that don't have a mom or dad are being, uh, in a sense, their property of the state. And the state and the government are taking care of these children. They drop them off in the white vans. When you go to public schools and you see the white vans, 15-passenger Chevy or Ford or Dodge, they're dropping off these kids. They're coming from group homes. These are, they, they, can be foster, they can be in foster homes as well. Um, these are families that have decided to take a, a, a allow these children to come into their home for a short period of time. But the majority around... Uh, live in their hometown extended family members. When you think about um, orphans or children that don't have a home, uh, you need to know many of these live in poverty. There's 153 million of these orphans worldwide, most of which go without food, clothing, and shelter. By and large, when we talk about poverty and global issues, the orphans are the ones that are most vulnerable. These are children that are growing up without the love and support of a family, uh, a biological mother or father, and oftentimes the extended family doesn't have enough bandwidth to take care of these kiddos. These kids struggle with self-worth. If you've ever fostered or adopted, you know what I'm talking about. They, They have a hard time feeling like they fit in. I've got a little girl. Her name is Maya. She has brown skin and we have white skin. Um, the most imp- one of the most important days in my life was the day when we legally were able to adopt her. And when we adopted her, it's like she knew as a little kid that she was getting adopted and she raised her hands in the courtroom and cheered. Check this picture out. It was incredible. It was that day. Yeah, you can celebrate that. That was fun. <laughs> Maya still asks questions that are hard to answer. She doesn't understand completely what happened to her family. And there's a lot of these kids in the Phoenix Valley that need the support of a family. Many orphans don't have the love and support or an opportunity to thrive. Today in Arizona, there's more than 19,000 children in the foster care system. And that means that uh, that number has grown. When I first moved out here uh, 10 years ago or seven years ago, Uh, that number was 10,000, and it's escalated since. We started the church five years ago, and we've been speaking on the topic uh, a few times every year. You're going to see that we have a, we're going to, over the years to come, we're going to focus on this issue, um, not 
um, not because we think this is some way to earn our way through salvation, but because we have such a great good news, we want to do some great good work. In Arizona, there's 19,000 children in foster care each year, more than 725 children age out. That word is a scary word in the court systems because it means these are children now that are turning 18 years old, and now the, the state is no longer going to take care of them. Uh, and, and they go out onto the streets. And uh, these are, um, statistically, these are going to be the troublemakers of society. They're the most susceptible to uh, human trafficking. Orphans are easily victimized, blackmailed, manipulated because of their poverty and their lack of family support. The church, the church, the church can play a part in this. I'm dreaming about the next 30 years, about what God would want to do with my life. And I want to preach the good news about you having a great, good father, that he loves you radically, and that he calls us not to just experience good news, but to do good works. Not because we're trying to earn anything, but because he loves the world, and he wants to use his people to share this message that grace adopts. Uh, This morning, I'm going to take the pressure off. I'm not going to call any of you to foster or adopt unless the Holy Spirit begins to prompt your heart to do so. For me, it took 10 years to come to a place where I sensed, God, this is what God's calling me to do. Um, How can we help? I want to share with you some passages of Scripture this morning. I want to um, highlight to you from from the Old Testament to the New Testament a call uh, that the, that to, to, to care for the socially powerless people. And I want to illustrate that with a testimony of a family in our church. First thing I want us to learn is from God's word is actually that, is that we need to learn to do good for the powerless. The prophet Isaiah was trying to awaken a nation that had slipped into spiritual decay. And he was calling them to turn from their wickedness and their ways and to demonstrate it with their actions. And he calls them to do this. Isaiah 7, or 117, he says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, and bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. The word learn literally means to be skilled in, that you need to learn continually. Don't think that you have learned everything. You can continually, the human mind can can continually learn. And oftentimes with God's calling in life, it happens when you learn and you expose yourself to a need or an opportunity. Um, What Isaiah is challenging them is learning to do good. Some of you have to relearn and constantly learn. He's challenging the nation of Israel, learn to do good. Why? Because you can so easily learn, learn to do bad, it just comes natural. But learning to do good is something that really takes, you have to acquire information. You have to, I mean, even why we take notes here. I mean, when you write things down, you have uh, exponential impact on being able to recall it to your memory. Learning to do good is something that every Christian should do, is learning to do good. And then he calls for seeking justice. We want the, the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, we see so many injustices. And the prophet Isaiah is calling that we need to seek justice and correct oppression 
and bring justice to the fatherless. Those are the orphans. And plead the widow's cause. The orphan and the widow throughout the beginning to end of the scripture are the socially powerless people. It's the low of the low class. They need a voice. They need an advocate. And we who are strong economically, or we who are strong emotionally or spiritually, we have a responsibility to care for the weak. You are designed by God's plan and purpose is to be somebody who does what the fathers work. The Heavenly Father invites you in to do His kind of work. That's to care for people. That's to take that step out and provide and create provision. The prophet Isaiah calls us to do this, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fathers and plead the widow's cause. Secondly, at the core, even of our Christian faith, is remember that this issue about adoption on a spiritual note is at the core of our faith. The Bible talks a lot uh, about physical adoption, but the Bible also speaks about adoption as a spiritual reality. That you and I have a spiritual experience that's called adoption. It's the day when, when you said yes to Jesus Christ, you were adopted into his family. But what's crazy about this, that when you made that decision to say yes to Jesus Christ, you were accepted into his family, you, we find out in Scripture that he said yes a long time before you were ever even born. Here in Ephesians 1.5, we see this reality that God has adopted us through Christ. That God has adopted every single believer uh, into an eternal family through Jesus Christ. The theological word and the exact uh, word is predestined. That means it's predetermined. Uh, Ephesians 1.5, this is the New Living Translation. I would call this a fair commentary or, uh, on this text, a pretty good commentary for that text. But it says this, and it gets at the heart of what that word predestined means. It says that God decided. That means that God predetermined who's going to get adopted into his family. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Uh, about 20 years ago, I was not walking with Jesus Christ at all. I remember I was at a party in downtown Little Rock, and the smoke was filling the room, and I was feeling very far from God. I did not know Jesus Christ, and I had some friends that started to get saved and start to walk with Jesus and tell me more about Jesus and I had this conviction on my heart, and I think it was the voice of the Heavenly Father. He said this to me, Ryan, this is not the life I've called you to live. I'm calling you to follow me. What was happening in that moment was this. See, God had decided in advance that he wanted to adopt me into his family. And I started coming to my senses, not because I was figuring it out and becoming clever. I was figuring it out because God had already predetermined, preplanned, that I would know him. And then later, a couple years later, I, I, I find myself and a youth pastor keeps reaching out, keeps sharing the gospel and calls me to respond. And in faith, one night in Colorado, all by myself, I confessed with my mouth. I believed in my heart that Jesus Christ was Lord. And both things simultaneously happened. God had already predetermined and I had made a decision that I was going to follow Jesus Christ. Some of you that know the Bible very well, you ask the question, is it God's sovereignty that adopts us in alone or is it human responsibility? Let me tell you, it's absolutely both. 
It's absolutely both. If you've got a quarter, on one side you see heads, on the other side you see tails. Is it a quarter? Absolutely it's a quarter. It's both, there's a heads and there's a tail. On one side you look at it and you see tails. Well, you know in faith that something's on the other side called heads, and you know it's both true. When it comes to understanding predestination, when it comes to understanding the sovereignty of God and how He works, it's absolutely true. God predetermined, God preplanned that there would be an adoption process, but to you, on your end, you see those things in the Scripture and it ought to alarm you and go, wow, what's happening? Here's what's happening. You have an incredibly good, good Father that's been after you for a long time. Your whole life has got purpose. And yet you make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. What's happening here is the work of the good father places his son, Jesus Christ, as the adoption fee. You and me are adopted into God's family. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. This passage is highlighting the sovereignty of God and what's going on. When it comes to adoption, you need to know grace adopts. God's grace brings you in. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And this is not of our own doing. It's the gift of God. You and me, every single one of us, if we have not placed our faith in Jesus Christ, you need to know you're an orphan. You're an orphan. You are separated from the family of God. You live a Christless eternity. You have no future hope, future purpose in life until you you are awakened to the Father's voice and you respond in faith and say yes to Jesus Christ. You're eternally adopted in. It's a beautiful reality. Here's what Jesus promised his followers. He says, God will never leave us as an orphan. He told his disciples before his death on the cross, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. Uh, Jewish custom and uh, practice was is that there were rabbis, and when a rabbi would leave his disciples, they, were felt, they felt like they were orphans. And Jesus is speaking uh, their language, and he, they understand this well. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That at least means a couple of things. It means that he will rise again. It means also that he will send the Holy Spirit and we will never be left alone. God promises that he will never leave us as an orphan. Regardless of your family situation, you felt like you maybe have been abandoned through life or you have family or friends that you're not in contact with. Maybe you've moved far away. The great news about Christianity is that God promises never to leave us. And the voice of Uh, from heaven, of your heavenly father, calls you back to himself. You're at best when you're at peace with God. You're at most joy when you have that fellowship with the heavenly father. We have a family here at North Valley, and uh, it goes beyond blood. It's a spiritual family. When I was uh, walking out here in between services, this lady grabbed me and she said, hey, pastor, I love this church. And I said to her, we love the people at this church. Why is that? It's because you and me are brothers and sisters. We've been adopted in. It's all about God's grace. Here's the great promise on your life and my life. He's never going to leave you. Your friends will leave you. Family will leave you. God will never leave you. Once he adopts you in, you're in. There's no losing that relationship. Lastly, but not least, God gave us a ministry of reconciliation. 
The Apostle Paul put it like this. He says, all this is from God who through Christ. Let's say through Christ together. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. A couple of things I want to point out is first is that Christ reconciled us to himself. The Apostle Paul is pushing at the gospel reality, the good news, that we have reconciliation with God through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. When you see that cross, that's God's reconciliation. He's taking wayward, lost, orphaned, alone, sinner, and he is saying, I want to build a bridge to the Heavenly Father, holy, just, righteous, perfect, imperfect, to perfect. And he does that through the work of Jesus Christ, and we're reconciled. Reconciled means bringing together and making peace between one another. The Bible says is that God does this reconciliation, but he does it through Jesus Christ. We have a, a brokenness in our heart and in our soul apart from being reconciled to our Heavenly Father. And the only way to get that right is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what the Apostle Paul is doing, and we take the same spirit and the attitude and the, and the strategy here at North Valley, is we let the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ inform us how to do good works. Historical good Christian churches will focus on the good news of Jesus Christ, and then that informs the good works. Uh, dead religions focus on good works on a way to find good news. Good news is this, is that the Bible says, is that who, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You and I have a responsibility to help be ministers of reconciliation. You know, um, the, the world will spend a Christless eternity separated from the love of God and the life with God unless Christians serve as ministers of reconciliation. They get to announce the good news that there is forgiveness through Jesus Christ, that there's a hope, that there's a future with God, that we can have experience the love of an eternal family through Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul challenges us to be ministers of reconciliation. Uh, lastly, I want to encourage you to think about this is the, the Apostle James. This is the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, it says this, get to be personally involved. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is to visit orphans. There's something incredible uh, throughout Scripture about helping those that are weak or not well-to-do. The orphans and the widows are the socially powerless. We need to, as believers, realize a few things is that we need to learn to do good for the powerless, remember the heart of the gospel message, and then lastly, get personally involved to visit orphans. That at least means that we're personally engaged at some level. To visit orphans, James was calling upon, probably had experienced a lot of the ministry of the mercy that Jesus did to the down and out, and calls for um, the faith to be lived out through, uh, demonstrated in the deeds. And the orphans and the widows are the, the ones that need the most help in life. He points to the reality that there's a code of conduct for the Christian. That we're to kind of be pretty enamored by how to orient ourselves to the needs of people around us. That orphans don't go to the wayside or widows don't go to the wayside. That we're to 
do this. This will be part of our reputation as a Christian community. I want to challenge you to get personally involved to visit orphans this year. To do that, what I'd like to do is invite up a family that has chosen to foster and adopt. And then I'm going to talk through some practical ways on how God could use you to be involved in visiting and caring for orphans. Would you welcome up Jason and Carmen Paulus? Give them a North Valley welcome. Well, Jason and Carmen, thanks for being a part of this special day today as we look at how God's grace moves us forward and uh, how we get to experience being adopted into God's family just by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and seeing that God, our Heavenly Father, has been involved and bringing us in. And you guys did that in a very visual way. Would you share your story, how this took place? We became a licensed foster family in September of 2013. Um, At the time, we were not focused on adoption. There was, and as Ryan has mentioned, there is such a huge need for foster families that our mindset was to attempt to fill that need for a time. And if a child was placed with us that needed permanency, we would consider it. Looking back, I think God was probably smiling because he obviously had a different plan for our foster journey. Within a matter of days of becoming licensed, our first placement arrived a two-day-old, marijuana-exposed baby boy, Miguel. We were shocked. Um, We never dreamed of being placed with a baby. Miguel was very easy. He slept, he ate, and he slept some more. He stayed with us for only five days, and then he was moved back to his biological family. Being our first placement, we didn't fully understand how it would feel when a child would come into our home and then left. The pain hit hard. Five days, and we loved this child as if he were our own. It was only a blink in time, but we did love Miguel, and we knew we would never see him again. Our daughter Taylor was eight years old when we started the foster journey. Initially, we feared Taylor, being an only child, may struggle with sharing the limelight, so to speak. This was not the case. We knew Taylor to be kind, loving, and gentle, but she surprised us all with her ability to fully grasp what we as a family had decided to do by fostering. Miguel leaving left Taylor in tears for several days. We feared perhaps this may be too much for her tender heart. Despite the feeling of loss and knowing it would be likely be felt again, Taylor wanted our family to continue to foster. It was hard to go back on the list for another child. The pain was now very real and a reminder of this journey we agreed to walk down. People say I can never foster. It would be too hard to give the child back. They're correct. It hurts and it's hard. But we truly felt God called us this journey, and he, he would help us with the pain of loss, and we would continue to love a child that ultimately may break our hearts and return to their biological parents. We went back on the list Saturday morning. Sunday morning while sitting in church, a text came through from the licensing worker. Meth exposed baby boy being discharged today, yes or no, was the question. Carmen showed me the text and shook her head no, thinking she would attach too quickly to the newborn. She wanted an older child. I reminded her that we had prayed hard about the decision to foster and that we need to trust God with this decision. We responded, yes. This boy's story is too long for this piece, but ultimately this angel now is our son, Luke. He's been with us since he was two and a half days old, and I cannot put into words the blessing he continues to be for our family. He's a light that shines in the darkness in the world of foster and adoption. When Luke was nine months old and we were still fostering him, 
we took placement of a 15-month-old little girl. Um, This little girl, Michaela, became our daughter just a few short months later. At 15 months old, Michaela was very behind on the typical milestones. She was nowhere near walking. She was still drinking formula from a bottle. She didn't make eye contact or even smile. She was silent and withdrawn. Uh, Michaela is now a feisty four-year-old girl. She is bright and funny. She laughs very easily, and she's in preschool this year as a peer role model. Everyone needs a village, especially foster and adoptive families. Having post-adoption support has been critical for us. Our North Valley Church family has been a part of our village and a huge blessing. Church members were one of the first to arrive at our home with an infant car seat and diaper bag when our first placement arrived. They met an immediate need, and we really appreciated it. This was before we even started attending North Valley Church. And also prior to attending North Valley Church, um, Jason and I would go to different church services so one of us could stay home with our youngest. But now we drop our kids off at Sunday school, and we know the teachers and the leaders are willing and able to accommodate both of our little ones' special needs. And without that accommodation, we couldn't bring them to church. Um, we, we love those Sundays when we can go as a family. Um, the children's leader, Meredith, actually called me a few weeks ago just to say, what else can we do? And that's really special to know that my kids are that loved um, and that we're that loved. It's been great to be able to meet and talk to people who can relate to the daily challenges we face. We found a North Valley neighborhood group and met a family in that group with a child who has the same challenges as our youngest. Having adopted themselves, Ryan and Leslie understand the trauma and abuse and the effects it has on the child as well as the adoptive family. Leslie has been a sounding board and resource of knowledge and help. North Valley prays for us, and they ask us regularly what they can do to help. They're what my wife calls love and action. Let's celebrate that. Jason and Carmen, I'm so proud of you. You know, you could have chosen to do, do it different. Uh, I, first question I have for you is why why did you choose to do this? I know how hard it is. It changes normal, right? It changes life as we know it. <laughs> to bring in a child that's not your biological child into your home. And you guys got two. And there, it was hard because I think when you guys were first showing up to North Valley, like I never saw you together. I saw you, and I would ask Jason, where's Carmen? And he would say, she's at home. She's got to take care of the kids, you know. Or Carmen would come, and Jason. So it rotated. And I don't know, how long was that, a year? Yeah. So why, Jason? Why, why, Why would you guys choose to do this? Or Carmen? It was something that had weighed on our hearts for a while, and we talked about it. We had a family member who grew up in the California foster system. And um, it was when we were too young to do anything about it, so there's nothing we could do to help, but we did see the results of of growing up, bouncing around from foster home to foster home. Um, Michaela is actually um, biologically a second cousin. She she was the daughter of that family member in California. It took Carmen, I don't know, when she found out that Michaela was coming, she worked from that point 
until she was born to get her transferred to Phoenix, to us. It took 15 months after being born for her to get transferred to us. And there was a lot of frustration involved with that, but had it not worked out the way it did, most likely we wouldn't have taken our son Luke in the process. So uh, that was really kind of what started off and what, what led to the motivation for, for moving forward. Yeah. I, you know, I hear a lot of preachers say, hey, let's change the world for Jesus Christ. I like that. I'm a pretty optimistic person, but the reality is, is honestly, seriously, none of us are going to change the whole world, right? Seriously? Jesus changed the world. But what we can do is we can help change one child's destiny. We can help change one person. That, that's pretty achievable. Uh, with your parenting and how you parent, the friends that you have, you can help change one person's life. And the reality is, is you guys have changed the direction of these children's lives. Carmen, what would you add to that, the, the why you guys chose to adopt? I would just say if, if not us or not you, then who? And um, that God doesn't always call the qualified, that he will qualify the called. And if this is on your heart, um, and you decide to move forward with fostering or adopting or supporting, you will truly be blessed in ways that are hard to describe. Yeah, that's a good word. Well, what are some practical ways that, you know, if every, everybody's here and the chances are of everybody leaving here and fostering or adopting or, or little, but I know that the chances are of us all doing something is big. What would you say are some real practical ways that people could get involved to help? Well, when you, when you sign up to adopt or foster or foster or adopt, you, once you're licensed, especially as a new licensed worker, you're not given a, a timeline. You're not, you're not able to say, hey, in three weeks, I want a five-year-old baby boy. That's not, that's not the way it works. We were called on a Friday night. We were sitting on the couch. We didn't know what we were going to do that night. Phone rang, said, hey, we've got a little boy. This is with Miguel. Uh, can you take him? We'll be there in, within an hour. All we had was a crib. We were newly licensed. So we, we didn't have anything. I mean, we had a crib and that was it. Actually, my cousin had donated some of her, her daughter's old clothes, so that wasn't much of a help at the time. <laughs> but um, in that situation, we ran to Walmart. We, we got everything we could. But, you know, I think the biggest thing that for a foster family, especially a new foster family, age-appropriate supplies and clothes are huge because you can't plan for it. You don't know if you're getting a boy or a girl or how old they're going to be. Secondly... Meals. Um, a lot of these kids come with challenges, so just just figuring out what's for dinner and making it is tough. Uh, offer to run errands, um, and on on a long term scale, someone who's had a child for a long time uh, or had multiple placements for a long time, as mentioned, they do have challenges, so it's harder to engage in normal social activities. So if you're free and you know someone who's who's fostering, you know, offer to watch the kids for two hours. I don't. I can't explain how, how much they will appreciate that two hours to go out and have dinner, just have a date night. And we're in the process right now. We've formed a support group uh, for families in our church that are fostering and adopting, and that number is growing. It has been growing over the years, and that's really exciting to see. Um, and we can provide you with the church uh, with a list of families. Uh, Dr. Bill Yarger is here. Bill, would you raise your hand? He leads up our CARES team. And um, we're developing an entire ministry to help uh, minister to those needs as well. 
So helping is a real big deal. And I think it's important for us to understand, too, that, uh, you know, I, I like to say these are not normal kids. These are, they, don't, they don't get the same experience that a lot of kids get. Um, you've described it a little bit different. To share how you've described it, the challenges with these kids. I have a quote from Brian Post. Children who have experienced trauma will have a significantly different reaction to stress than children who have not. To truly parent from love requires enormous amounts of time, energy, focus, and mindfulness. Yeah. You know, the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go, and he will not depart from it. That means that there's some individual training and equipping that each child is needed. I mean, you know that in your own home. The biological children, you can't parent one child exactly the same you parent the other. You know, and when it comes to these kids that are uh, foster, being fostered or adopted, we have to take a really uh, sensitive approach on how we raise these kiddos. Any other practical ways, Jason, that you would add? I, I, I want to stress just helping out, offering to, to watch the kids, or a lot of times with foster, foster parents, they have to engage with, with the biological families. Or if it is going through the adoption courses, uh, course, they have to go to, to court hearings where the biological families are there. So that can be an uncomfortable situation f for, for the foster parents, and they most likely are there by themselves. So just a friend to go with them is going to be huge. Um, so helping with that and, and the, the date night thing, I can't express how, <laughs> how important that is. We're, we're lucky. We have two, two um, sets of grandparents here that live locally, so they help us out a ton. But we, have, we also know some other families that don't have that. Their families are out of state. They... I mean, there's, they can't get out of the house. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's tough, and, I, and it's, it's a huge help to be able to do something like that. One of the things that you can do right now is on your program at the bottom of it, if you would like to help in that, you can say, you just write on the bottom of this program and just say, I'd like to help with foster or adoption families in our church. You can tear it off and then just put it in the giving box on your way out today. And then we promise to get you connected uh, to Bill and to the CARES team ministry. And then we can all help at least strengthen this little family, this church family together and uh, see to it that couples like this get their date nights and preserve their marriage and strengthen their marriage, are able to participate in church services, and the kids are being supported really well. Were you going to add something? We had a particularly difficult week this this week, and, and prayer is huge. We're a part of a neighborhood group, and I just sent a quick text message out to the ladies in the group and said, we need prayer, yeah. and, and they were on it. Yeah. And, and to know that people are praying for you and your children makes a huge impact as well. Yeah. That's really important, too. You notice on your outline, we put a couple of different things that you can get involved is. You could attend and explore fostering to adopt. We hold those classes uh, on a semi-regular basis. You can contact Leslie on that. Or as well, just be praying, praying about how God could use you from here. Um, put that on your heart. Uh, the Lord may be doing that right now. And my encouragement to you is the best life is always the life that's in obedience to, to the Lord's work in your life. Um, so I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, you could also join Leslie and others to be a part of a sort support group. If you are currently fostering or adopt, uh, adopting in that process, uh, they have a support group. I know you guys are a part of that. 
And there's a number of other families that are meeting on a regular basis just to encourage one another. Or last, if you would like to meet with me to discuss on how to end the foster care crisis. Um, I've been in conversations with uh, uh, different city leaders over the last five years on this topic. And uh, there's a number of churches that have rallied together and uh, tried to come together with some uh, cohesive ideas and plans on what we could do as the church community, the Christian community with, throughout the Phoenix Valley to lower those numbers and get out of the crisis that we're in. Again, when I first moved here five years ago, uh, those numbers were much lower. Now there's over 19,000 children, 725 each year are aging out into the system. And statistically, these are kids separated from the hope and uh, the future that you and I have as a uh, uh, fam- or individuals that had the loving support of a, uh, a mom and a dad. Is there anything else you guys would like to add? You're good? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Okay. Well, let's, let's give another round of applause and thank them for today. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jason and Carmen, Lord, and thank you as they've experienced your grace. They move forward in great faith. Uh, Lord, and how from the very beginning before the foundations were formed, you had this plan and purpose in mind. And they responded to that. They heard your voice and they walked forward in faith. And Luke and Michaela got a new family. And uh, Taylor's got a brother and a sister. And while they might not have share the same bloodline, they share the same uh, faith line of your eternal binding us together. We thank you, Lord, for uh, what you're doing in this church. And we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would minister to the hearts and souls of everybody here today on how they could be involved in extending that grace in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.